0: Welcome to Allie and You, the Business Success and Lifestyle Show. My name is Allison Maslin. I'm a business growth mentor, serial entrepreneur. I love, love business. And I am on a mission to help as many business owners as I can to break through to that next level so that they can share their gifts with the world. And that is why I wrote this book, Scale or Fail. And if you haven't robbed, grabbed a copy yet, go ahead and do that in these pages. Gives you lots of secrets on scaling. Speaking of scaling, we have a scale expert on the show today that is, I can't wait to learn from. And uh, I want to introduce you to. So first of all, hi, Dan.
1: Hi, how you doing, Allison?
0: I'm doing great. I, I want my audience to know you and all the things that you're up to. Uh, you all are going to learn so much. If you're ready to grow and scale your company to the next level, you do not want to miss this episode. So um, I'm going to just do a quick intro, Dan, so they can get to know your background a little bit. And so Dan Hanford is the founder and president of Five Specialty Medical clinics in throughout southern uh, throughout southern California. That's where I am. <laughs> Not in southern California. He's in South Carolina. His daily podcast, daily. My goodness, tough decisions. And I love the title of that. How many people struggle with tough decisions? Um, so Dan interviews successful entrepreneurs and real estate investors and how to overcome the biggest challenges of owning a business because you get into business and you're all passionate and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, right? Um, so listen to this. Dan has investments in over $67.4 million in of real estate.
1: We actually just closed on a property last week and we're at $115 million now. So a little, oh, little bit more wow. than that.
0: Yeah, $67 million. that's That's like old school. <laughs> Um, and currently have, well, this is probably when I had your bio, it's probably grown. You had 825 apartment units.
1: Yeah, we have a little over 1,200 now.
0: 1,200. Okay, you are rocking and rolling, Dan. Um, Dan is an angel investor supporting numerous young entrepreneurs. He also really gives back and has donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to local charities in the South Carolina uh, area. So, those of you watching and now, are you really interested in what Dan has to say? I know I am. So, Dan, welcome. Well, thank Alabama. you
1: again for having me. I'm looking forward to sharing our more about our background and, uh, and a little bit about our story as well.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. I know you are a busy guy and I appreciate you taking the time. And so, tell us a little bit about your background in, as an entrepreneur. I mean, you have a training as a chiropractor, you got these medical clinics and real estate how did this all come about
1: Sure, sure. So I kind of take most people back to when I was born. And my mom always told me, she said, you know, whenever you whenever you were born, you were turning around negotiating with the doctor as to, as to which cheek to slap, you know, to kind of get me crying when I first came out. So I've kind of always been an entrepreneur throughout my entire, you know, life from, from what I can remember. And, you know, I remember, you know, going and, you know, selling things door to door around the neighborhood, whether it be, you know, just different things for the, like charity things for the school, little fundraisers or doing, you know, you know mowing the lawns or washing windows or I remember even in high school selling going around going around selling cutco knives and stuff like that and so every every year that I've grown I've always kind of done something a little bit different and um, when I first got out of high school I really didn't want to go to college and so I started one of my own businesses uh, which was a, a web design web hosting networking company and then when I was doing that I, I was developing a website for a chiropractor and got really interested in chiropractic and then decided to just go straight into chiropractic from there shut down that business went straight into chiropractic and while i was in chiropractic school i started a company called Shop Anatomical and we sell all types of skeletons and skulls and brains and hearts and that's why you see behind me you know i have a couple of these like skeletons and skulls oh, and stuff wow. around okay. because you know, those are, are from our, our company. And uh, of course, those are probably product returns. I just didn't want to put them back in a box and ship them back to the warehouse. <laughs> so I put them on my, on my shelves. But um, I started that in chiropractic school when we, I was actually, I think it was in my second quarter of schooling. And all the students needed spine models in, in order to learn the spine. Because of course, as chiropractors, that's what we focus on is the spine. And so in the bookstore. I saw a spine that was $189, $189 $189.95, I think is what it was, and I was, I thought it was ridiculously priced, and so I figured out that, and I also heard other students complaining about it being so expensive, and so I went online, found the manufacturer of it, the manufacturer was able to provide it to me for $42.48, and I ended up selling it for $70, $69.95 to the students. And I, um, within the first week, sold 80 of them and I had cash up front in hand, made sure I didn't have any IOUs because I didn't want to be stuck with a bunch of skeletons, you know, or spines. And so two weeks later, sold another 40 and then from there decided to use my skills from web design and web hosting and started to sell them on, sell the products on eBay because I, I, at that time only sold one. It was the spine, but being able to do that opened me up to their entire catalog of over 2,000 products. And I, and I got a very high discount, their top tier discount because of how much I was selling of the spines. And so I started a company called ShoppingAtomical.com and we've been, we've been doing it for about the last 11 years now and it produces seven figures of revenue every year and it's been, it's been great. So then wow. from, from there, we, uh, when I got out of chiropractic school, went and started my own chiropractic office. Did that for a couple of years by myself and then decided to hire on an associate and then eventually hired on some medical doctors and some uh, nurse practitioners to work for us. And now we have five medical offices. Um, our goal was to um, scale from one clinic to five clinics in 24 months and we ended up doing it in 18 months. And so we, uh, we accomplished that goal a lot sooner than we, uh, we, had, we, had, thought we had thought we were going to be able to do it. Um, but uh, one of the hard decisions or tough decisions if you talk about tough decisions that we had to make there is is to cut out the chiropractic services that we were doing so now in those offices we don't do chiropractic anymore it's all medical non-surgical orthopedics And we do a specialty type of non-surgical orthopedics called regenerative medicine. So prolotherapy, PRP, stem cell therapy, those kind of things. And so the types of people that we can help the most in those clinics are people who are going to chiropractic offices and just not getting the relief they're looking for. And so in order for us to build a referral network with outside chiropractors, we had to take it out in our office. Otherwise, those chiropractors wouldn't refer to us because they'd be afraid we're going to steal their patient. And so we made the tough decision to take it out and it actually has done really well for us. And we were able to scale from that one clinic to five clinics very rapidly.
0: Wow, that is incredible. Isn't it wild how one little thing in your life sets you down on a whole path? It does. And you were willing, you saw the opportunity with the spine and most people, 99.9% would have not called to see if they could buy it at a, you know, lower price and then, Retail it. So that that sets you on a and, whole, and the whole
1: funny story. thing is is that to this day it's still our number one product that we sell. We oh, sell probably two to three hundred a month of those spines.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's your eighty twenty, right? Or your yep. twenty your twenty of your your hundred. So um, in so now you and you also interview business owners like we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And Uh, about the issues that they struggle with in their journeys what was your inspiration to do your show
1: sure so um, earlier this year I actually was at a conference where I heard a person speak there and I it really hit me about becoming the general in my business and so at the time, I thought that I was the general because I was the CEO and I was running everything and, you know, I was, you know, every day going and doing stuff and, you know, he made me think about, you know, well, if, if you're really the general, you know, well, why are you having to go in every day? Because the general doesn't go in every day like that. The general just manages from a high level. You know, you look at somebody like Warren Buffett, you know, he doesn't have to go into each one of his businesses every day. He can call up the CEO and make sure everything's being done the way it need, needs to be done and, and watch things from a spreadsheet, if you will. And so it really made me think, it was actually on a Friday night that I was sitting up till probably two or three o'clock in the morning thinking about that concept. And I decided that at that time that I was going to promote my COO in the medical clinics at the time to the CEO so I could step out. At that time, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. You know, I, just, I just knew that there was something else that I was being you know, led to do. I didn't know what it was. I knew it was something bigger and better and greater than what I was already doing. And uh, and so I, uh, on Monday morning, I, I met with my CEO, told him, or my COO, my CEO now, and told him what I wanted to do. And I, I said, you know, would you be interested in becoming the CEO? And he said, well, I'm pretty much doing all that stuff right now as it is. So yeah. it, was a, it was a fairly easy transition, but I, w- I was able to step back and become now the president of the organization, still own them 100%. And it's now in a passive, you know, income state for me. And it has allowed me to be able to pursue other things. And, you know, honestly, after I I stepped down, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I mean, I I sat down, I wrote down like, you know, 15, 20 different opportunities that I had in front of me that I could pursue. But I started knocking every single one of them off because I could do those, but I felt like it wasn't the best use of my time in order for me to be able to scale the way I wanted to, you know, kind of take myself and get myself to the next level. And one of the things that I, was, I had been frustrated with is, you know, paying lots of taxes. And so that's one of the reasons why I started going into the real estate side of things. And even before that, you know, I, I, the, right when I stepped out, I took a week and a half to quote unquote retire. You know, everybody says you can't wait till they retire, you know. Well, I retired for about a week and a half and I was bored to tears. I hated every minute of it. And my wife, of course, you know, didn't like it either because she's like, "You need to get out of the house, right?" <laughs> so I just decided at that time that I was going to go to lunch with everybody that I could think of and just see if just just find different ways that. I could maybe help and support them to get my creative juices flowing. So I would, you know, go to lunch, I'd go to breakfast, you know, I wouldn't go to usually to dinner because that's usually reserved for family time. But I would go to lunch and, and breakfast with people and just, you know, ask them, so where, where are you? What are you working on right now? What can I do to help you? And it I just started getting my creative juices flowing. And I remember going to lunch with a, a banker of mine in, in Greenville, South Carolina, which is about an hour and a half from my, where I am right now. And I have a clinic up in Greenville. And I sat down with her and kind of did the same thing. And she said, well, you know, I know you've always had this, this, this um, interest in, in real estate. And I, and I told her, I said, well, I've been researching that. She, and she already knew I was um, the multifamily, you know, buying apartment complexes type of real estate. And uh, I just never really had the time to focus on it. And so she really kind of sparked it in me to do some more digging in that. And so I did like that week I was on an airplane um, after reading two or three more books just in a couple of days on an airplane to Chicago going to an event learning a little bit more about it and hired my first mentor in April and then since April we've done 115 million in, in transactions and we're on par to close another two properties by the end of this year and a couple more next year as well um, in the first quarter. And the biggest thing though was, is that I wanted to make sure that what I was doing was big and on a, on a large level, on a large level. And so I hired a mentor that was where I was wanting to be. So yes. my mentor has over a half a billion in his portfolio and has scaled very quickly himself. And so I hired him to help me get there faster. And so, I only, when I, when I do my real estate um, investing um, business, I only um, buy um, apartment complexes that are 150 units or more. So, we, we look at, you know, cash flowing properties that are already, you know, uh, giving us income off the property. But from the tax side of things, that's really, like I said, you know, what I was looking for as well is how can I reduce my taxable liability? Because I was writing six-figure checks to the government and just sick of it. And I, was trying, I knew that there, has to, had, there had to be a better way. And so with the, when you buy, you know, smaller, you know, uh, single family homes, you can depreciate those if you're they're rental properties, but they're depreciated over 27 and a half years. And so you're buying, you're getting income off that property and you're not necessarily, you know, going to be able to, you know, show a loss at the end of the year due to that, due to that depreciation. But when you have when you buy these larger you know properties that have the ability to do what's called cost segregation where you can hire an outside engineer firm to come in and piecemeal that property down to the sheetrock and the studs and the countertops and the doorknobs and the light fixtures and the shingles and really you can accelerate the depreciation from twenty seven and a half years. All the way to five to 15 years. So you're now cash flowing month after month off of each one of these properties. And then at the end of the year, we get a K1 that shows that we lost money due to that accelerated depreciation and due to the bonus depreciation on the renovation costs at the same time. And so not only can I cash flow off the properties and make money, but I can show a loss to offset some of my other income as well. And so it all just kind of snowballs and just really, to me, it kind of lit a passion, but to help other business owners that have this excess cash that they don't want to have to be given to the government all the time to be able to offset those taxes, to be able to reduce their taxable liabilities. So Hanford Capital was actually created for that purpose. So we don't buy these apartment complexes all with our own money. We use outside investor funds and do what's called a syndication model where we have, you know, multiple investors in one project. We might have 30 or 40 investors investing a minimum of 50 thousand dollars in each one of our deals but they're able to still show and share in some of those those uh, depreciation losses for their taxes.
0: Wow. That, that's amazing. So I want to back up a little bit because there's sure. a lot there that you shared um, and all so interesting. Uh, I actually was doing real estate investing for a while too kind of in the middle of one of my businesses and I think the gift was that you gave yourself the space to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a lot of things that we want to do, but you really like when you were doing the clinics, you focus on that and you help you scaled those up. You gave it the attention it needed and you got those running on their own. I think a lot of business owners, Dan, will try to do all those things. And so nothing really gets off the ground.
1: No, I, I totally agree with you that a lot of times business owners, when one business is, is struggling a little bit, instead of trying to focus on it more, they kind of turn their focus or shift it to something else. Or when a business is doing really well, they'll take those focus, they'll, they'll take that focus off of the really well, you know, business that they have and instead of putting the proper people in place to manage those for them, they'll change their focus because they were that main person and you're right, you know, that those numbers start to dip and honestly, we, we actually had that same thing happen to us when we started to scale our businesses because when we went from one clinic to two clinics, the main clinic went down. So, we, we had shifted our focus from that main clinic to the secondary clinic and started to see a dip in our revenue and our production and so what we found out is is that number one we had to start looking at our numbers a lot sooner than just once a quarter because at that time with just one clinic we could look at them once a quarter but then we shifted it when we had two clinics to once a month and then now that we have five clinics we actually look at those numbers every single week so every Friday every Monday morning I get my financial reports from my team and then once a month I meet with my corporate team to make sure that I still have that 30,000 foot view of the clinics.
0: Yeah, that's so smart. Now, when you went to your COO and said, I'd love to offer you this position as a CEO, was there a shift in him or her um, to when they stepped into that bigger leadership role, even though they were already doing those things, uh, was there a shift to say, oh, now I'm really going to take this on as my own?
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely was. I mean, I, I also incentivized this particular person and, and pay them very well to be able to manage these clinics because they are running everything from day to day. And I gave them a lot more authority than I'd given anybody else because I trusted this person. They had been with me for three and a half years before I made that decision. And right. so they had helped me get to where I was in the, in the clinics and scaling the way we did. And of course, they knew how everything worked. But I told him I really wanted to become the general in the business and the president and only contact me if there was something I really needed to be contacted with. And I will tell you, for the first couple of weeks, it was very hard for me to do that because I was in there day to day managing everything and making those decisions and writing the checks. And, you know, are there certain things that there I would be doing differently if I was in there? it's very possible. I would probably say yes. You know, there are probably some other decisions that I would make differently, but the businesses are doing really well right now. They've continued to grow even after I've left and, uh, and he's doing a very good job with, uh, with with the businesses.
0: Yeah. Well, I commend you for that because I think a lot of people want to do what you're doing, but they wait too long. Mm-hmm. They wait way too long. And when you do give people autonomy, it's amazing how they step up. So, I just wanted to touch on that. And you know in the in the real estate business uh that is such an incredible tax strategy yeah uh, that is phenomenal. but here you were, you had ten days off and then you're on a plane, and you've already read two books and you're in there, and you wanted to make it happen so
1: and it's it's kind of interesting how it's all turned around because I'm
0: you're, also
1: I also started a group called the Multifamily Investor Nation about two, two months ago, and we're already over 2,000 members, and we're doing our first live virtual event in January. Um, where we're going to have over 1,000 paid attendees at that event as well and have a lot of the high-level speakers from around the country um, coming in. Actually, around the world, we even have some from Australia that are going to be coming in speaking at that event. So we're really excited about that event. But one of the things I'll, I'll also mention to you and your listeners is that, you know, yes, you know, when you, when you try to invest in real estate yourself, it does sometimes take your focus off of your core business or your core product But I will say that that's one of the reasons why I created Hanford Capital because I found that for myself too. There'd have been no way for me to be able to do what I'm doing now if I was still in the clinics. But with Hanford Capital we're able to take outside investors and bring them into our, our investments as what's called a passive investor. So we have investors that are working full-time jobs, they're physicians, they're doctors, they're, law- they're lawyers, you know, they're they're they're, they're just everyday people. They're, we have a lot of IT professionals and business owners and entrepreneurs that are, are investing in our deals because they don't have time to do it themselves, but they still right. want to not have that, you know, they have that fear of missing out, if you will, that FOMO of being able to have to continue to pay taxes when they really think that there's other ways for them to offset that and that's a, this is a really good way to do that and again that's one of the reasons why I created that company
0: and so win-win situation it so is the cash flow and then they get some great investments yep right and still can do what they're doing Um, so what are do you feel are when you think of the growing to scaling and what do you feel like are some of the biggest challenges? that you have met and, and how you overcame those.
1: Sure. I A know there
0: are always new ones, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say that one of the very first things that I really had to learn how to do, which was again, very hard for me, is the art of delegation because i in when i had just the one clinic i was doing everything you know i i was the chiropractor and i was the owner of the clinic i was the one ordering the toilet paper and the face paper for the tables and the pens and the, and the paper clips and you know filing the insurance claims and posting the checks and you know I, there was times where you know i would even be collecting copays over the counter and stuff you know so there's there's i was able to do everything and i was and until I got my mind to the point of being able to just step away and delegate some of those tasks that I knew that other people could do, i that's when I was really able to scale because I wouldn't have been able to scale the way we've scaled if I was having to do everything. And so I would say, you know, by far of anything that I can think of, being able to delegate and have the mindset that even though, because I, I still feel today that, that I can still do all of it better than anybody else. And yes, you might say that's an ego issue. And I'm, I'll tell you it probably is because I, I, I that's a problem. That's a flaw that I have. But I have to, that's why it was very hard for me to delegate. Because I felt like I was the one that could do it the best. But I had to realize that even though I could, even though if I delegated it to somebody else, and they only did it about 75, 80% of, of, the, of the level that I could, it still allowed me to step away and do what I was wanting to be able to do, and to be able to grow and scale. Otherwise, I wasn't going to be able to do that.
0: Right, and so you have these two cash flow, well, three with the products, uh, cash flowing business, plus you're an angel investor as well. And if you didn't delegate, you wouldn't be able to do all of these things. So what do you feel like that are some of the common blocks for business owners. I know, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring business owners all the time. That's what we do. I would love to hear from you. What do you feel like are the biggest blocks for business owners to take that leap?
1: Sure. Um, to, to be able to take that leap to scale, I think one of the things that a lot of business owners neglect is being able to watch their numbers. Because, you know, I, I one of the things that I do is I, I, I actually coach and consult physicians across the country. So I have medical offices that, you know, contract me to be able to, um, you know, teach them what I've done in my clinics to, be able to allow me to be able to get to where we are. And one of the, th- the common threads that I see is business owners not watching their numbers. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in the fact that if you can't, me- if you can't measure something, you can't manage it. And so it's very hard to be able to go into somebody's clinic or even a business or whatever and say, how is your clinic doing? And, and you ask, ask the business owner, well, what were your collections last month? And they're like, I don't know, I'd have to go talk to my CPA. I'm like, well, you should know those numbers. Those are some core numbers. You know, if you have, for example, in our, in our case, you know, we have new patients that come through the office. Do you know how many new patients you have coming in and how many of those new patients accept treatment? And of those patients, patients who accept treatment, how many of them complete the treatment? And if you put an ad in the newspaper, how many people are calling off of that ad and how many people are booking an appointment and, you know, how many of those people that book an appointment actually show up? And so right. you can actually tra- track the whole lifetime value of a customer I think that's one of the biggest things that that business owners miss. And if they can get that in place, they can start to manage from the numbers.
0: I so agree. I talk about that lifetime value in the book because you really, it's not about just that initial sale. I think a lot of people, oh, I made the sale. But really it's about looking at, you know, what is the average time spent, dollars spent, referrals from those people to determine the value of that. And I think a lot of business owners do get into trouble when they're not managing their numbers. Or like you were saying, and I think in the, in the physician world, the chiropractic world, things like that, the solopreneur, you get into business because you have a passion. You're, you're, it's running the business part is definitely seems very foreign to a lot of them. And uh, so you can help a lot more people if, you get that business side down. So I, I agree with you, the numbers are crucial. And uh, how do you, in some of your challenging times, Dance? and I'm sure there's been some, right? Cash flow issues, whatever it is. How have you been able to keep a strong success mindset?
1: Well, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I would say that I'm a very optimistic person and I have a very optimistic personality um, just from, you know, my outlook on things. And so instead of always just, you know, dwelling on, you know, the negatives of things, I balance that with, you know, what, 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 what would we do, what would we do in, the, in the worst possible, you know, scenario? So for example, you know, if, if we decide to make a decision like we did to cut out the chiropractic services in our office, and that was a tough decision, you know, what, what would happen if we cut that out? And all of a sudden, the numbers just tanked. We just started losing money and just left and right. Well, there's a a way back. You know, there's a way out of that. There's a way to add it back if we needed to. And so we had a contingency plan in place to be able to add it back in there. Um, But I also always, again (laughs) – I'd probably say it always goes back to the numbers because look. thinking back to all the times where we struggled or where we had, you know, issues, it was lack of cash flow. But I knew the cash flow was coming because I could look at the projections and I can look and see the numbers, but not being able to have those projections, I think would have been a lot harder because, you know, even you know, like I, we, we, we talked in the green room a little bit. You know, my wife is part of our businesses since I, we've been married. You know, we just had our 10-year anniversary in, in January, I mean, in, in June. And we, we, she's probably the one that worries the most about that stuff. And she knows that if I'm not worried about it, then she shouldn't be worried about it. But, you know, even though I'm like that, she, she can, she still does have a concern about it. But I think when she gets worried is when I start to get worried, you know,
0: yeah, uh, well, and that's, you know, you two work together in the business and it seems like you, you work well in the business, but it can happen with spouses, even though they don't even work together. One of them is stressed out. The other one's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then that person starts wigging out over worry. And then it gets things on a negative cycle. Yep. That's not good for anybody, right? Nope. Um, But I do, I I like that, what you're saying is stay connected to the numbers. Then you can have those projections. You know that the cash flow situation is temporary you know, that you're going to get past it, you've got money coming in, and maybe there's a way creatively to use that contracted money coming in to create other revenue. Now, there's all kinds of creative things that you can do.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing too is, is always being able to have your mind on what is the next thing that you could do because there might be a point in time where you start a business and you realize this isn't working and we need to shut it down and yeah. that's a tough decision but you know, a lot of people, you know, look at that and they go, well, I don't want to shut it down because I don't want to be looked at as a failure but you have to look at that and you have to understand that as an entrepreneur, failure is not giving up on a business. Failure is not giving up on, on being an entrepreneur. And so if you have a business that fails or is failing, shut it down and start the next one. Because guess what? The more you do that, the the faster you're going to be able to find that next business that's going to really take off and really do well for yourself.
0: And you're the perfect example, Dan, of someone that has had many different businesses. Uh, So there's always new opportunities, right? Like think one day you're retired and the next day you're buying apartment homes. That's right. Right. So uh, let's talk about you with your wife, Danae, and you two work together. I think this is a lot of couples work together in a business. You two make it work. You said you've been running the business together for 10 years. And so what are some of your secrets around that? How do you make that work?
1: Well, one of the things that we always practice is, is open communication and again, we're not perfect at this, but that's one of the things that we strive for is to strive to be as openly communicative as possible. And so, you know, in the evenings we're talking a lot, but one of the things that we try to do in the mornings is we, we, get, our, we get up a little bit earlier before we, we get our kids up and we grab a cup of coffee and we go sit on the back porch overlooking the pool and talk about business and talk about what's going on in the, in the, in the family and, and really having that open communication and and not holding anything back from the other person is, you know, that's one of the probably the hardest things for me because you know there might be something going on in the business that's I know is going to be a struggle for us or it's going to be maybe, you know, some bad news, but you know, and I don't I don't necessarily want to tell my wife about it because I know how she's going to react and she might be a little bit, you know, frustrated or upset over the next couple of days or whatever. But I feel like it's better for me to go ahead and get that out there and open because if I didn't in a lot of situations, I would probably still be in the same issue or at least it wouldn't have gone as well. But really bringing her in and getting her insights has really helped me you know, in our business because it's allowed us to be able to think outside the box in many different areas that I wouldn't have if I didn't have her to bounce these ideas off of. And so we're openly communicating about, you know, the, the, our family we have, um, we're, we have four children, so then they're, they're all under nine. So I have an eight year old girl, I have a six year old boy, a two year old girl, and then a 10 month old girl. So, you know, right. family life is very busy as well, but, uh, but we we, that's what the biggest thing is, is being open with business, but also being open with what's going on in the, in the life as well. And then the family life too.
0: I love that. Well, congratulations on that with your family and, uh, all that you have, accomplished so that's awesome um and so what would you say dan is your number one i'm sure there's many uh piece of advice if you you've got a business owner somebody's watching this right now they're working hard in their business and uh they they're doing okay but they really know they could get to that next level what would you say to them
1: sure So there would be three things, really. So um, first off, I would say if you don't have a mentor right now, you need to get one because along this entire journey that I've had, I've always had at least one or two mentors and I've been a part of at least one or two masterminds throughout the entire process. I really feel like that's what has allowed me to be able to learn from other people's mistakes and scale and grow faster and reduce that learning curve. Number 2 I would say is to make sure that like I said earlier to make sure that you put some things in place and some systems and processes to be able to manage your number measure your numbers so that you can actually manage those those different pieces of your business and that's something that your mentor can help you put together or your coach can help you put together is as, as some sort of, you know, you know a key performance indicators, if you will, that you can look at to make sure that your business is doing well. And then the third thing I would say is just going back to, again, an earlier thing that I talked about, about delegation and learning that art of delegation of being able to, you know, yes, you might be able to do it better than everybody else in your team, but guess what? You're not gonna be able to scale that way. If you're sitting there doing $12 to $15 an hour tasks, you need to sit down and make that inventory of those different things that you're doing every day and do to firing somebody else that can do those so you can do some more higher level
0: tasks fantastic I think that's all very very good advice um, and you um, uh, for you you also have uh, your, your angel investing your helping entrepreneurs um, how can people get in touch with you uh, learn more from you listen to your show
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. So there's two different ways that you can get a hold of me. Um, there, uh, one is you can go to our website, which is for our podcast, which is Tough Decisions for Entrepreneurs. It can be found on iTunes and Google Play and all the different platforms out there. Um, but you can also go to ToughDecisions.net and go to our website. We also have a weekly entrepreneur email we send out with some, some daily tips and you know technology tips and stuff like that for, to use in your business. And then you can also go to our website if you're interested in being one of our investor partners or just trying to you want to jump on a call with me and see kind of. What what we're doing and find out more about that you can go to HanfordCapital.com there's a place on there you can kind of see some more about me and my bio as well some of the properties we're purchasing and there's a place on there to fill out an investor form to be able to jump on a call with me and and then you know go down that path a little bit further and for those of you who want to go down a little bit further you know you can go to apartmentevent.com and uh, find out about that event that we're doing with the multi-family investor nation come up in January as well.
0: Fantastic. Well, lots of ways to engage with you, Dan. And um, I'm sure uh, people, it would be a great experience for them. And this has been wonderful for me. I like talking about business so much. So I always love to talk to enterprising business owners and seeing how they are getting to that next level. So congratulations in all that you have experienced and achieved. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing next time I talk to you, it's going to be like, Oh, a million part apartment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. Our goal goal is to get a billion under management, so we'll see.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you are quickly on your way. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you all for watching another episode of Allie and You. And uh, remember, we are every week putting out a new episode. You can find us at subscribe to Allie.com. And also like Dan, Allie, and you, um, the Business Success and Lifestyle Show is on all the major platforms. If you haven't picked up my new book yet, grab it at scaleorfail.com for strategies and tools to help you scale your business, which is what we've been talking about today. And uh, until next time, get out there and elevate yourself because you deserve it. All right. Bye, everybody. See you later. Scaling a business is not for the faint of heart. Playing it safe causes 34 million American business owners to avoid risk entirely and suffer from smallness. I understand what you're feeling. No matter how hard you work, no matter what you sacrifice, you just can't seem to get to that elusive next level. That's because what got you here is not going to get you there. Scaling is not about working harder. It's not that one right strategy. It's the whole picture. It's you. It's your big, beautiful vision. It's your team. It's your drive. It's how you show up. It's time to take a leap off the trapeze so you can soar high in your business, but you're holding on too tightly and killing Your growth. If you're truly ready to leap, it will not be easy. If you want easy, there's always your comfort zone. Are you prepared to fly? You're well beyond the startup phase in your company. You've created a decent level of success. Your tenacity, your spirit have gotten you here. But my gut tells me you were not put on this earth to play small and stay inside the box. There is something about the ability to direct your own fate, that drive for freedom, expression of creativity, building your legacy that pushes your entrepreneurial buttons and that wild spirit. If you are fully ready to bust out, step into your power, own it as the leader visionary that you are. It's time to get your arms around the method that will finally get you there. You are not meant to be small. You are meant to shine. If you are truly all in, then let the adventure begin.